Welcome to a Script to Screen workshop podcast. Script to Screen is a charitable organisation developing the craft and culture of storytelling for the screen in Aotearoa, New Zealand. In May 2021, Script to Screen partnered with the Aotearoa Screen Publicists Collective to present the A to Z of screen publicity wānanga. The aim of the workshop was to show the many ways screen publicists can work alongside creatives to ensure their stories are discovered and watched by their target audiences. The sessions were recorded and this is one of 10 that you can listen to. Each session has its own whakatauki befitting the theme of the discussion. Tamatū, tama ora, tama noho, tama mati. One who stands, lives, one who sits, perishes. Welcome to the Digital Marae. In this session, brand and marketing strategist Kenny Williams guides us in how to create an online buzz for your project and take an iwi approach to building a community. This kōrero is all about making sure your shit is valid on social media. So I am, um, I'm a brand and marketing strategist. Um, what that means is, um, I'll tell you in a minute, but um, at the moment I am, um, I'm currently um, Greenstone TV's uh, marketing lead for Vegas and My Life is Murder, uh, the New Zealand version, which will be on screens and TVNZ, TVNZ soon. So who is this guy? Um, so basically, yeah, my name's Kenny. Um, so I've been marketing across many different industries um, for over 10 years now, um, including, you know, a hospitality, uh, tech, and more recently government. Um, and the one thing that I've learned is that um, no matter which industry you come from, um, every problem that you have is the same. Um, and that problem or that challenge is um, trying to uh, reach your audience and, and grow that audience. Um, and that's essentially what the role of marketing is. Um, so what I'm going to cover off today is um, the B word, um, which is brand. Um, I, I've heard that um, brand is essentially quite a bad word um, in film and television, or it's one of those words that people uh, quite don't really quite understand and they think of it as a logo. So I'm going to talk about the importance of that, about thinking about your brand um, when you're... This all connects into social media, um, marketing, and then building a community, which is um, using social media to grow your audience. Um, just a little bit about me. So um, I'm Māori and I actually um, come from very humble beginnings. Um, I grew up um, in a state house, um, which is on the North Shore. Um, single parent family um, with a mother who raised two kids on the benefit. Um, that's very much part of my identity and my story. Um, and I'm, I've made it quite an effort um, to take that story with me wherever I go. Because I think it's really important to, um, to ground your story and truth and in your origin and where it is that you come from. Um, even when uh, my career took me to um, over to New York City, um, where I was the marketing manager for a tech startup, um, I never really forgot where I came from. So I think as part of your, a part of your brand, that's essentially understanding um, what, what you stand for um, and where you come from and how that can relate to your audience, um, which I'll get into um, a little bit further. 
So uh, I saw in the program that I was speaking about the digital Mirai. So uh, for those in the room who may not be sure of what a Mirai is, um, it's, it's essentially the home of your tribe. Um, it's a meeting place uh, to share ideas and stories. Uh, and it's a place to feel safe, and it's a place to actually learn and grow. Um, I'm quite lucky to, um, to be able to have a few mirai. Uh, this mirai here is, um, is Ruamata, which is in Rotorua, uh, which is where I fuck a papa too, uh, well, where, my, where I'm related to. Um, so thinking about a mirai is, is, as a metaphor is really important when thinking about um, building your audience. Um, we refer to the digital uh, marae as building a tribe, um, thinking of social media um, as a place to actually exchange ideas and have conversation, not just as a place to um, try and promote um, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, so thinking of it more like that, a place where people meet. Um, and also creating safety for sharing ideas. I feel like that's not really done enough. Um, people often think about social media channels as just an endpoint, um, a place just to just to promote their product. But when really it's an opportunity, it's an opportunity for excitement. It's an opportunity for engagement, and to get re people really across what it is that the vision that you have and the vision that you want to share with the world, um, whether it's the vision for your film or the vision for your television program, social media is a really powerful tool for that. And um, as I've seen many times is that, um, you know, engaging with fans on the comments, like every like, every comment, um, you know, that's an essential part of, of community building, which is engaging with them and responding to them because they want to feel like that you're there, they want to feel like you're present, and they want to feel like that they're part of the show because when they're sitting at home or when they're sitting at the movie theater, they imagine themselves on that screen. They imagine themselves as, as part of the story. And social media is really an extension of that story. So this is one of my favorite quotes, uh, which is, um, people will forget what you said, what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Um, that, to me, is a really powerful quote, and it's one quote that I, I use a lot when I'm talking about brand and what branding means. So what is a brand? A brand is essentially, um, it is the oppression left on our audience. Um, it's the sum of how they think and how they feel about your product. A brand speaks to the heart of the audience, but branding is how your brand is communicated in the world, which is your logo, um, how it looks, how it feels in the world. All that is branding. So when we specifically talk about brand, we, we talk about um, it's all about emotion and it's all about feeling and how they perceive your film or television program to be. So I thought this was really important because I wanted to talk about what the impact is, like what is the impact of having a good brand and what that means. Because it's all good to sort of to go through the complexities of, of what a brand is. Because a brand is really complicated because a brand is supposed to be a reflection of your audience and your people. But as we know, it's not simple the way that people think and feel. Emotions are complicated. But if you're successful in having a really strong brand, this is the lasting impact that your brand should have. Your audience is a your audience is attracted to your brand because they feel like they can relate to it. They trust your brand because 
that understands their preferences and what they need. Your brand does what it says it will do. So that's all about promise. Your brand is your brand or your product often promises to deliver something. Um, think of that as an ad or as a trailer. That's all about promising uh, your audience what they expect to see. So in shaping that trailer and what it is that you're making them see, they should 100% be feeling that when they watch the full thing. So that's really important in terms of just keeping your promise and delivering on what you say you'll do. And most importantly is what a brand does is it makes them feel good. When you go and experience something and you need to feel like you're, you need to feel good from it. You need to, every, if you think about every product that you have, everything that you buy, um, when you think about that brand and what it's called or, or you think about your favorite movie, um, you can think back to your favorite moments, things that you watched and how that made you feel at that time because emotion is directly connected to memory. And so that's why it's really important to, to weave your brand story throughout what you're trying to market and tell and share um, about your uh, product, whether it be film or television. So talking about your product, we're talking about the role of marketing. So what is the impact of great marketing? Uh, the impact of great marketing is, is that marketing aims to inspire, not to sell. <laughs> Ultimately, it is about selling. It is about getting bums on seats. It is about getting more viewers. But every, each piece of content that you put up needs to be engaging in some way. Um, I said to a producer um, quite recently that people are on social media for a good time, not a long time. Um, because it, you think about every moment that you're on your phone, you're not scrolling for hours and hours. You're only there for brief moments at a time, whether it be um, on the way to work, uh, whether you're commuting, um, whether you're at home lying in bed 10 o'clock at night or on the toilet. Um, that's just that those are just the moments where people use their phone the most and it's for very brief moments. So, so that's a quick opportunity for you to, you've only got so long um, to be able to inspire and get their attention. Uh, clarity is really important and I think um, clarity is really important when you're thinking about what it is you're trying to achieve with your piece of marketing or your piece of content, what's the job for that to do? Is the job of the content that you're putting on social media to raise awareness about you know, a new show or a new film, or is it to remind people that it, you've got a new episode coming up? Um, being really clear on that is, um, is going to make a difference because then your audience knows what you're expecting of them. And yes, uh, the point that I've made is that your audience will have a clear understanding of what your product is and the value that it gives them. Um, it's, social media isn't transactional. It's about building a relationship with your audience. Um, we're quite lucky that uh, we're able to have that access to people's time. Um, for, for a long time, you know, directors and producers have wanted to be able to sit in the same room as the people who watch their television show or um, who, who see their film. Um, social media is the closest thing to that because the way that people use social media is, is, is with their feelings. Um, every like or angry react is, you know, that's a direct access to how they're feeling about your product or your message that you're trying to convey. And lastly, I've got here is, um, is a, the great impact of, uh, the impact of great marketing is uniqueness. 
Um, uniqueness is all about, it's a competitive world out there on social media. You just need to just scroll through your page and just see um, how many ads pop up at you, um, who's trying to get your attention. Um, at the moment, it really is. It's a war for your attention. So what you have to offer on social media has to be really valuable. Uh, it has to speak to a specific need of that person. Um, so if you're thinking about it in terms of, um, of promoting uh, or trying to create awareness for a TV show or film, it's, asking the, it's answering the question, what is it in for them? Why should they watch it? What is it? It might be like something that they've already seen. So that's where you, and understanding that comes through uh, looking through data and, you know, psychographics and all that boring stuff that no one ever wants to do. <laughs> but, and learning through the, you know, the demographics and psychographics of your audience, you can get a really good understanding of how they think and um, how you can possibly reach them. Cool. Building a community. So social media is a mirror. Uh, it's a mirror to your audience and how they think and feel. Uh, I, I already went through this. <laughs> but it's, um, social media is, um, it's, it is I, I mean it when I say it's an extension of your story. It's another way to show the, uh, the, you know, show, it's another way outside of the show or the film that you can connect with your audience and tell them a little bit more about your story or, or why it is that they should watch or, or be engaged with your show. So what is the, what's the greatest impact, or what is the impact of a great social media presence? It's about turning your audience into fans, ultimately. So it's, it's, it's the next level. It's not just, it's not just getting viewers. It's, it's creating a, um, a fan, someone who is going to uh, be emotionally engaged with what it is that you're showing them. Um, people who are, um, I'm, I'm in the middle of promoting a show right now and I'm just thinking about in my head um, all the comments that I go through and people saying that, wow, I love this show and I can't wait for the next episode. Um, that is, that's a fan right there. That's not just a viewer. To, to be able to, ex willing to express, to take a moment out of your day to express how much you feel about something that can only come from a fan or it could come from someone who doesn't like your show and what you're doing, but that's a different story. In, in, terms, of in terms of community building and finding your tribe, that's what I'm talking about. It's, reaching your, it's not only just reaching your audience, but it's nurturing them. It's nurturing them and making them feel like they're part of something because at the end of the day, don't we all want to feel like something that's greater than ourselves, that we're actually part of something? You know, it's, it's one of the reasons why we might seek a job, you know, that we want to feel like we're contributing to something that is greater than ourselves. Um, we are very tribal creatures, um, you know, from the beginning of time. Um, we seek out people who are like us. Um, and that same... And that same aspect is that we seek out, um, you know, entertainment that not only just takes us away and steals us away for a moment, but makes us feel like it understands us and understands the world that we come from, that shares our values. That's what community building is. And that is what, 
you know, if finding and building your tribe is. And when you think about social media as more than just a channel, but as a place for your community to live, then you can actually prioritize and put more importance and resource into building that community. Um, because if you're just using social media just to talk at your audience, they're not going to stay and they're not going to feel like they're part of what it is that you're trying to do. I get it. Like, you know, making film and television is really hard. It's, you know, you're on, you know, often you're, you, you're, well, you're working to a really tight budget, really tight timeline. You've got to get this thing made. Um, and it's not often at the forefront of people's mind, which is building a community, <laughs> building a community. You know, is that uh, for a long time, you know, film and television has been thought of, um, and by no means am I speaking about anyone in this room, but, you know, um, often is that uh, in productions there's a lot of contractors and it's on to the next job and the next job. But it's, it's film and television has a greater purpose when it comes to what we're serving up to audiences, is that that person who's sitting there wants to feel like they're part of something and it's not often that we are um, that we think of that person sitting at home or sitting in the cinema when we're doing like 12-hour days, like, you know, um, shooting on set. So, um, but that's where it comes, that's where planning is really important and, um, and I'll speak to this a little bit later, but um, don't make thinking about social media and marketing the last thing. Just like publicity, it's all part of the same set. But if you can really start at it at the beginning, I think you'll set yourself up for success. So I've got here be authentic and how important that is to, you know, be authentic on social media. Um, and the only way you can really do that, when I say be authentic, it's, you know, say if you're, um, this is a Facebook page for a film or television show. Um, authenticity then means understanding who your audience is and how they communicate or want to be communicated with. Um, and that really only comes from, you know, uh, from research, understanding who your audience is and how they speak. Um, you know, if you can think of your demographic, it's, it's, look, it's finding that demographic, finding out shows or, or films that are similar to yours and, and looking through who the fans of those are and observing their language. Um, it's being a chameleon, <laughs> you know, you're, you're being one of them. So, um, so that's really important if you want to, if you want your product to be relatable on social media. And honestly, is, is that if you don't, and I think really high skilled people can do that. I mean, a lot of people in this room, it's not their job to be an expert marketer or, you know, a great social media manager. But finding those right people who can do this for you is so vital because um, if you don't, then it's, uh, I've seen it happen so many times is that, you end up putting all this work and money into creating something amazing, but then no one's going to see it. And what a waste would that be? So finding the right person who can create that bridge between what it is that you've created and the audience that you're trying to reach, uh, I think would be really successful. And as I've written here is that if you're not authentic, is that audiences can spot a fake a mile away. <laughs> you know, it means that you may risk creating the wrong, the wrong hashtag or, um, you know, it's just, yeah, I will get to an example of that um, just now. 
So this is one of my favorite examples, and I don't know if you guys remember this because it happened a while ago, but um, it's Susan Boyle. Uh, so good old Susan Boyle um, was uh, celebrating uh, her, her album party, um, and so they created the hashtag um, Susan Album Party, but if you but you might just want to read it a little bit more closely. Yeah. So that's that's what can happen if you don't, you know, hire the people who know how to do this. <laughs> I know, it's hilarious. It's one of my favorite stories. And I would feel so sorry for that. I would feel so sorry for that person, whoever did that, didn't, clearly didn't think it through. So um, that's just an example of, of how it can go wrong if you don't invest <laughs> in finding, you know, if you don't invest in, you know, and good resource and, and talent um, and people who actually know what they're doing um, and getting them involved early. Otherwise, something like this could happen. And yeah, go. Hello. Um, I have a question. Is there a way to, to for Susan Boyle HQ to save that? You know, to, 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 to the mistakes been made, the memes have started. Could Susan Boyle HQ also come back in and save that, or do you just run away and hide and pretend it never happened? I think you kind of just have to own it. <laughs> like, it's just like, you can't really backtrack from it. Um, you can kind of just make a little bit of a joke about it, you know. I think, yeah, definitely what I would do is that if I were that social media manager, I'd be using a lot of words <laughs> and, yeah, not very good ones. Um, but, yeah, I would, um, my first sort of, my first action would be, um, definitely take it down <laughs> and just to poke a little bit of poke was probably the wrong word um, <laughs> so make a little bit of fun of it you know is that at social media like you know yeah you know it's just like plus a Susan Boyle she's so sweet and so lovely where I'm to her I don't even know um, anyway yeah so I would that would be my strategy is that is just to kind of own it and you know wait for it all to die down and then kind of have like a little bit of laugh about it but you know you this you can't you can't stop the meme train um, <laughs> once it once something becomes a meme it's like pretty much unstoppable all right so I'm sharing this very complicated map because I wanted to show you what I sort of what I made for greenstone TV um, so I'm just going to um, by the way at the end of this, I can email it to you so I don't feel like you have to like draw it frantically. So I'm just going to point um, and show you guys what I'm talking about. So this is basically I've created what I created for Greenstone TV was um, essentially understanding what the journey is of their audience within the digital ecosystem. What that means is that so when I create content, where does it go digitally? So at this point here, I've got, it says Greenstone TV created content, for example, social media clips. So once that's created, where does it go? This arrow here is marketing. So because um, the show is distributed by TVNZ, so everything we share with them and get sent out on their channels. Um, and then Upward here, I've got cast social media channels. So whatever we share on our channels is shared by them to reach our audience and engage them. But also those same um, video assets are used by publicity. So this is very much the, the public-facing ecosystem. And then heading straight in here, I know it's very complicated, so don't worry if you can't keep up. But um, this sort of gray area here is um, it's pretty much like a gate. Um, 
it is where they can go to sign in to watch the show because it's on TVNZ on, it's on, TVNZ on demand. So, so this whole area is the whole TVN side, TVNZ side of it. So by understanding how to produce content and where I need to create awareness, like the stuff that, you know, the emotional stuff that I was talking about, the funny stuff, things that are actually going to get a reaction. So those social clips, how are they going to drive back to TVNZ? Because ultimately is that the job isn't just to sort of entertain and inspire, but it's to get, it's to turn your, um, your fans or your audiences on social media into viewers, because otherwise what's the point, right? So that's why I just wanted to, to create this for them, something that they actually hadn't seen before um, to this level, because then we're just not creating stuff and shucking it up on social media with not understanding what its purpose is or how it's, you know, what, how we, what we're supposed to drive our audience to do. Because that's essentially what marketing is. It's persuading an audience to take an action. Yes, it's about conveying a message and understanding what it is your product's about, but ultimately what we want them to do is take an action. So in this case, the action I wanted them to take, which is to go to TVZ On Demand and to register or sign up. So that's the whole journey there, um, which is, a, you know, as you can see how in the content side, this is definitely where the brand and marketing are working together. And then the marketing, which is when it's sent out um, and distributed, and that's how all that works together. Cool. So I've got time for questions, I think. I've got a bit of time. So if you've got any questions about anything I've just covered, I'm totally... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Hello. Kia ora, everybody. Um, I am supposed to do social media for my job, and I'm really shit at it. My question is, um, it's pretty lame, actually. How many hashtags is too many? Should you go for as many as possible, or is there a good number? That was, and do you just make them up, or? I think uh, hashtags definitely have to be, um, I get that question a lot, which is the first thing that people usually think about is let's make a hashtag. Um, so, which is good, because a hashtag is essentially like a unique identifier for what you're, you know, what it is that you're doing, whether it's a film or TV show. It's great to have one of those. Um, and it's good to, you like, people will use hashtags and click into it to see the conversation that's happening about your show. Um, there are some principles around hashtag. Definitely has to be something to remember, but also don't make it too long. Like, and I know it's it's really hard because it's... Um, you know, it's like thinking of a name of your company, like, you know, there are so many, you know, ones that are, how can you stand out, right? Have you got the same name as someone else? But that's the same principle as having a hashtag. So it doesn't have to be the name of your show, but it could be something quite clever and relevant to your show that the audience finds out later. Um, yeah, but anyway, to answer your question, wouldn't put too many hashtags in. I'd say three, or yeah. I can uh, I can do a bit of follow up speaking to that as well from my work with my current job with Letterboxd, where I was running the social media for five years until the brilliant Aaron Yap arrived as our director of social, and now I can sleep at night, which is fantastic. But um, from a film perspective, because we're often tracking, uh, like if we're on Twitter, for example, we're often tracking 
how a film is doing, where the film conversation is, and if we are um, if we are doing a tweet about the film, we will want to tag them in. And every now and then, the key the key creatives, like the director or the the lead actor, or the film itself, won't actually have a handle on Twitter because they have, through their marketing process, worked out that their you know their landing space for their audience is Instagram or TikTok or wherever else. But there will be a hashtag. So, um, so it's about going, okay, well, actually, we're, we're going to choose not to focus on this channel, but we are going to go hashtag VegasNZ or hashtag um, shadow, in, shadow in the Cloud film. So that's the other thing is, is, is if you're going to do it, put film or movie or series or TV because then people know what you're talking about. And there are some accessibility um, things around hashtags I've recently learned as well, which is um, capitalise the first letter of each word um, for, for people with accessibility issues around text. That's really important um, because, you know, Susan's bum party. Yeah. Um, I'll just jump in and say one more thing. That uh, Actually, an example, uh, an example of an experience I had with um, a previous client is that they had decided on the hashtag before they engaged me. Um, and I was like, that's interesting. And so they're basically like, so the hashtag is this. Um, da, 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 da. Anyway, um, the hashtag, I ended up like looking into it. And I and I could see that the um, the hashtag was used in um, the Black Lives Matter movement, and it was quite a popular hashtag. So I sort of flagged that, and I was like, I don't know if anyone's seen this, but a lot of content that's attached to the Black Lives movement is is used by this hashtag. So um, it could look like you're trying to co-opt um, a really important movement, and that would reflect badly on what it is that you're trying to do, which has nothing to do with that movement. So, and they were like, okay, we're not using that. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, it's just <clears throat> really important to engage an expert or someone, you know, get a few minutes of their time just to ask what you have now. I just want to say that we all get things wrong. And when we first submitted this program to New Zealand On Air for funding, uh, it, later on, Sue May pointed out that... Um, we would have to change the name because eyes on the prize is an extremely important phrase to the civil rights movement, which we really have no business using. So we didn't. And now it's the A to Z of publicity. Um, every moment, every moment is a learning opportunity. Chris can kind of talk to this as well, but one of the questions that I had um, comes from um, Rurangi, uh, where, um, and yeah, I've sort of turned back here and see what Chris th thinks as well, but... I felt like we had a situation. Well, so can you talk to situations where your audience is um, fractured to the extent of of sometimes having a, an oppositional force? As an example, um, Rurangi uh, is you know by and about um, transgender and non-binary people. We found when it got out there that. Um, Cisgender family members, uh, in terms of the audience, were very gravitating towards this this product as well. And yet, if we look at you know the dynamics of of a family um, with transgender people in it, often um, the the cisgender people and the transgender people, you know, can there can be quite a lot of opposition there in terms of their gaze, how they experience you know life. And so, um, yeah, can you talk to what happens? when an audience 
is kind of not just um, segregated or in sort of different aspects, but maybe when the, there's some um, uh, conflict between different parts of your audience, how you create a, a Facebook page or a voice that somehow encompasses um, yeah, them all, if that is the approach. Uh, okay, I'm just trying to um, unpack that a little bit in my head. Is it that your that your question is how do you create a voice like a like a brand voice for social media that has a lot of different audiences? Is that your uh, almost? Um, it's it's how do you because you're talking about a voice and authenticity. Yep. Um, how do you go about creating a voice for an audience when that audience is sometimes at war with itself, or you know when there's there's conflict within it, when there's different. A very um, when there's an oppositional way of seeing the world, where that is partly what defines it. Yeah, I guess the, my point is like the, the difference between a fractured audience and then an audience where there's these very powerful, there can be very powerful oppositional forces within it, and yet they're both gravitating towards the same product. And, and to clarify, they are both gravitating towards Rurangi, and they are both important audiences to you, and you want to speak to them both. Uh, or do you have a primary audience that is more important? Uh, the, in terms of the co-papa, um, trans audience first, but it's yes and. You know, it's, it is speaking to, to both. Mm. Yeah. I think often, um, I mean, we haven't talked about moderation, which is the next step along once you've created your community and established your voice. Um, the next step along from that is moderating literally to, to moderate the conversation, to, to check in, right, and establish possibly some, some guidelines, some ground rules around how we talk to and with and about each other in this space. And, um, you know, sort of community policy, really, so that, so, that the, so that you can enable oppositional conversation that is kind and polite within that space and uh, yeah, that's sort of the next sophisticated but extremely important step in any community development in the social space, I think. So does that help somewhat? I definitely understand um, where you're coming from because, I mean, I think just for an example, like I just saw it, it's not exactly the same, but um, for example, Vegas. Um, Vegas, which is fictional, you know, based in a fictional town, um, and does deal with some quite dark themes, and um, and a lot of the content is very Maori. Um, what I said before is that in terms of people, when they look at content, when they look at a show or they look at a film, um, they see a reflection of themselves, and they want to see their. They often look to see their experience reflected or spoken back to them. So um, while we definitely have people who, um, you know, in our audience who love Vegas, you know, mostly do, uh, we have such great fans, but, you know, there would also be some who might be amongst Māori who are like, oh, this isn't my experience or this isn't what I know. And us as Māori are very different. We're not, you know, we come from different iwi. Different iwi have different ways of doing things, of viewing things in Te Ao Māori. So... It's as a fictional show, we weren't looking to speak for all Māori, 
but we were off saying that this is a you know we were, what we were offering is our offering is a fictional story, something that's entertainment, something that's, that's meant to take them away. But in terms of the voice and how we speak to them, knowing that they are all different, is just um, is like. Um, Gemma said, is speaking kindly and politely and having that voice. I think it gets to, it gets to, it's quite broad, a broad approach. But I think if you try to speak to specific members of your audience or community, it's going to end up sounding confusing um, and it's going to look like you're sending mixed messages. I don't know if that's, if that's kind of what you're getting at, but that would be my advice. I would also put it out to the community and go and say, this is, this is what we do a lot at Letterboxd. We yeah, we we will get a, a report on a piece of content. Um, I've had reports on pieces of content from a young trans member of our community and that piece of content was written by an older trans member of our community, at which point I am completely not equipped to answer that question and I will go out to our community and have a conversation around it and see what lands and feels right for them and then that becomes part of our policy and we sort of see our community policy as a living document. So constantly open to interrogation and change. And yeah. Th that's a really good point um, that I forgot to mention. In terms of, you know, in structuring that guideline, you know, that of how you speak and what your tone of voice is, is, um, is leaning on people who are actually from that community or for, you know, in terms of structuring your replies. Um, uh, we're very lucky to have um, the expertise of Michael Bennett, um, who's Te Arawa, and the writer and creator of Vegas. So um, he wrote um, just a one-pager for us internally to use and to borrow from, and which our comms people would then draft up um, scenarios on some of the more sticky questions that we might receive um, and what the, re what the sort of reply would be. So that's a quite good way of... Um, of informing what your replies would be or how you would speak to specific members of that community. Ness? Oh. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, hello. <laughs> Kia ora kōrua. Sure. Um, I just have a question that's quite related to this um, topic. How do you moderate in a space such as social media, which is, um, it's, in, it's impossible to moderate, um, especially in relation to the conversation with Vegas? I... Um, I noticed there were a number of interested parties, such as the creators, um, commissioners, um, uh, other people that have feelings around the series. And the discussion online um, wasn't very kind and it wasn't very... Um, um, the way they were talking to each other wasn't uh, in the spirit of, you know, sharing and listening. How do you kind of manage a situation like that? Uh, the way that's managed is that that kind of discussion actually can't happen online. Um, it's something because, uh, and just to sort of get a little bit deeper into that is that um, anything that has anything that has that is in any way cultural and especially you know um, that stems from Tel Maori is that it's very complex. Um, it's um, it is very complex and there is a lot of uh, emotion that can come with that and um, a lot of things that are quite personal to people and their experience. I think that um, that conversation is best to be had face-to-face -face and in a room because 
this is, I think, the rule of thumb for if you're sending an email even, is that um, email has no tone. Um, it has no... It's really hard to gauge um, what the feeling or what the emotion or intent is behind an email. And that's just the, the same principles on social media, is that things can be misinterpreted um, for the best intentions anyway, and it can quite easily get heated. So um, for those certain conversations that require a higher level, I think there's definitely the higher level discussion that needs to be had or is being had or has been had. Um, but yeah, I think, I hope that answers your question is that I think the the approach is let's get on, like let's, let's talk this out like face to face, I think is the solution. And to follow up uh, from, a, again, a moderating perspective is you can put some basic principles in place for your community, at, at, you know, posted as a comment or whatever, you can absolutely say there will be no abuse. There will be no, you know, yeah, you can absolutely say these are the standards. We're here for the hard conversation. We absolutely have to be. And Vegas has has created, a, not created, but brought, brought to the front a, a long ongoing conversation that now can come out in public. Um, but you can absolutely lay some ground rules around how that conversation goes. There will be hurt feelings. There will always be hurt feelings. There are always going to be people telling you that your shit stinks. But, um, but the minute it gets into um, uh, abuse of a group of people or into, and, you know, frankly, an illegal area, death threats, whatever, that's, you, know, you can moderate for that stuff. Um, and I would also say that internally a really important thing, and I, I did call Kenny a couple of weeks ago to just check in on him, is to remember that there is a human moderating. It's not actually AI. And, um, and to practice self-care if you are the one who is watching that conversation all day, every day. Because people have to be allowed to talk and have to be allowed to express their feelings, especially about a piece of culture that brings these issues up. Uh, and you have to let them, but you also have to look after yourself. Have you taken days off? No, not really. <laughs> the show is still going. Get offline, man. Yeah, Just yeah. Get I, offline for a day a week. What are you doing? Oh, no, totally. Um, um, more questions. Oh, kia ora. It's um, Ness again. Um, yeah, I run the 48-hour film competition, and we have a lot of social media. But another important aspect of our marketing is our email marketing. Um, and we haven't talked about that much today, but um, yeah, I always try to get messages out through there, get... And I also try to study what works best in email marketing. And one of the things that keeps coming up is plain text emails, which I really struggle with because um, our competition is really visual. We've got sponsors to appease who want visual stuff up. We've got trailers. But on the email marketing, it says it's best if you just put plain text emails. It's way more likely to hit your inbox and be read. Um, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. So there is, there's definitely some broad facts out there in terms of best practice, and some of it is correct. Um, but it really depends on your audience and what they're used to receiving, you know, from or what they're meant to be receiving from you. I think that they would. I don't see an issue with. Yeah, I wouldn't with, I mean, yes, plain text, but I think that you're right in terms of what 48-hour film stands for. Um, or lead them to somewhere where they are going to see, or lead them to um, a different page, like a landing page where you can have those graphics. That's another option. So, 
it's tricky when you're talking about a competition with a lot of films in it rather than a single film where it's easy to put a hero image at the top of the newsletter and nothing else. But the other thing that uh, that email marketing tools can do for you is A-B testing, what it's called, is you can send half of those emails plain text and half of those emails with an image and then look at what the open rate is and then you can find out for yourself. So there's, there's a lot of great tools around that. But I'm so glad you brought up email as a social tool. Um, as a producer, the first thing I do is collect all the emails of my cast and crew and then everyone else who comes through the set, and then anyone else involved in the production, and then I add my mum to it, and then, you know, I, I, there are rules around who you can add to, um, to email lists, so you have to get permission. But what drives me crazy is when <laughs> the cast and crew are the last to know when your show is hitting on demand or going on air. And this actually happened to me as recently as um, the National Treasures show, which I was in an episode of. Two days, but, and I'm sorry if this person is in the room, two days before my episode aired, I didn't know it was airing, uh, I got an email from the production saying, oh, just to let you know that your item um, didn't make the actual exhibition that's happening at Te Papa, but you have made the cut of the series. Cool. And then on Monday, I started getting texts from everyone I knew saying, hey, I saw you on the TV. And, yeah, I, you know, I'll be modest, but I've got reach. So... <laughs> Like, that could have helped. It's a, great, it's a great series. Plenty of people watched it, but um, they missed an opportunity there to, to hit another 100 people just by sending one of the people in that episode the information about it. So I'm a big, big, big fan of email. And collecting them early too, yeah. like as soon as you start. Yeah, and if you're building a website, have a sign-up. Just make sure the first thing that goes on the website is a sign-up. Yeah. Hey, Kenny. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, have you, what's your experience of working with clients who are perhaps um, not so keen on social media, like who want to work with a minimal amount of social media or perhaps none to promote, like an anti-promotion technique? Like, have you come across that before? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it just goes, like, where that problem comes from is, not really understanding the value in social media or, you know, it's, it's, that it's, it's really hard to care about something that you don't know anything about. So there's an education piece in there, um, which is, and I think it's uh, just going on marketing principles is that people are more likely to be interested in something if they know what's in it for them. So I think it's being able to communicate the value of social media and um, what it can do, um, uh, yeah. So I think it's it's it's. I mean, I, to put it simply, is that um, it depends on where your audience lives and on what type of social media there is. That so you know, not if you're you know um, not to discriminate, but if you're over a certain age, you're not going to be on TikTok. Um, you know. So I think it's it's yeah, just making them understand that they can reach. More people. I mean, it's 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 a it's a different time. Um, is that if you're not if you don't have some kind of digital presence, um, it's going to be really hard to reach an audience and to build that loyalty. So, I'm not sure which member of your cast and crew you might be talking about, but you will be surprised who is in your cast and crew that you haven't thought about 
would be great as your social media voice. Um, so, you know, and, and, and a lot of the people I follow in the, in the global entertainment space, often it's a writer. It's not the director. It's not the lead actor. It's the writer and the writer giving nuggets and doing live tweeting of the episode and, and just interacting and giving big ups to all the other writers who are on Twitter or wherever they are. Um, a friend of mine is a makeup artist and she is a New Zealander but now in Hollywood working with Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, she recently started a podcast where she is going around interviewing all of the other makeup and hair artists in Hollywood and some Oscar winners and just genius. Like there's your member of your cast or crew who is getting trade secrets out of the production. So I would say it's not necessarily the end of the world if a specific person is is not into it. Um, and yeah, find the right channel that they might be into. They might not know how much they might enjoy Instagram, you know. They never know. I thank you, Kenny, for coming in and take a day off sometime soon because how many more episodes to go? Uh, three more episodes. Ah, wow. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. The A to Z of Publicity Workshop podcasts are proudly supported by New Zealand On Air's Industry Development Fund, the US Embassy and Images and Sound. Music for the podcast was provided by Poddington Bear, Fakatoki by Lalena Feunati and voiceover by Gemma Gracewood. Kia ora.